live at 2 p.m. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to another edition of Queer State of Mind. Oh my God, you're my voice. It's gone, so I'm going to sound like this today, so you have to forgive me. But we have a very special show. It's my music show. We're going to be talking all things classical music and musical theater and just having a good time and highlights of our great black opera singers, some of our great black musical theater singers. So you're listening to Question of Mind live music show, classical edition, here on Radio Free Brooklyn. It's time for Queer State of Mind on Radio Free Brooklyn. New York City's home for queer people of color to gather and talk. Join us for all the latest news, pop culture, talk, and more from QPOC Perspectives. And all the tea, sass, and shade you can handle. Listen in. And tell us what you think on Facebook at Queer State of Mind. And on Twitter and Instagram at QSOMNYC. Yes, y'all. Well, welcome to another edition of Queer State of Mind, the classical edition. We are having a little fun today and going to my field. Uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, it's me, Sadie, of course, because I now sound very hoarse right now. Um, I graduated with a degree in uh, classical vocal performance, opera, done a lot of opera, sang a lot of places. Um, and I just want to have a couple of my friends on. So I have some people coming here. We're going to discuss some opera and I also have a big love for musical theater so gonna be a lot of musical theater we're focused in largest on the sopranos because as the boys always do um, but I want to begin of course with an overture you cannot start an opera without an overture and one of the most famous overtures um, is from La Forza del Destino which is um, The Force of Destiny by Giuseppe Verdi so I want to start with that overture um, while we wait for our guests to come and enjoy
y'all. So that actually was the Forza uh, Overture, and I played a little bit of the Tristan and Isolde prelude. We actually have one of our fabulous guests here, Miss Liz Stevens. She is very, very fabulous. Come on, come hello, to the mic. Hello, hello. Yes, honey, put the, talk to her like it's your friend there. How are you doing? <laughs> this is my family. I've been on here. Yeah, you've been on here a few times. times. You know she's a businesswoman, honey. You know she got <laughs> multiple businesses and shit. So there's always something for her to come on and talk about. But today we're specifically talking about the classical music realm. So, Liz, do you want to give people just a little history about how you end up in classical music and as a singer? Oh, that's such a good question. I grew up on the opposite of classical music. I grew up on, not the opposite, I mean, but, you know, I just yeah. grew up on R&B. I grew up on R&B, jazz, um, what, all of that great stuff yeah. until I was like, well... Not until, and then my dad, he's like a huge rock fan, even. Oh, okay. Um, but when I was in high school, I was in a high school, and my mom, she listened to classical music. It just wasn't her automatic go-to. Gotcha, gotcha. In high school, I was at a school in northeastern Pennsylvania, and they had a very big uh, musical theater program, so I kind of got into musical theater that way. Again, my mom really liked that stuff anyway, so it wasn't like it was completely unfamiliar. It just wasn't what I had been singing until then, you know. And then when I went to college, I kind of knew I wanted to sing, but I hadn't really dared to step into it. Gotcha. And I started taking voice lessons. I tried out for the choirs. I didn't get into the choirs. (laughs) Wait a minute. I should preface this by the fact that she actually has sung at like the biggest opera houses in the world. (laughs) So... That just put that put that in place. So you, I did not get into the choirs at Bucknell University. Uh, Bill Payne was amazing, though, and he said, "He said it's not that I don't think your voice is wonderful." He said, "I think you have an amazing instrument, uh, but I think you need to take voice lessons because these choirs, um, they're they're a specific kind of thing, and right now you don't know how to use your voice in a way that fits into these choirs." Which was an absolutely fair assessment. He had given me music to read. I didn't know how to read music. You know, I didn't understand the aesthetic that they were working in. Of course, they're also something that spoke to, um, you know, cultural inequities and stuff like that. Right, right, right. That I would be at a school where there is no academic choir that I can participate in. And, you know, so... Long story short, he put me on the sh- on the list because of the vocal program was pretty competitive to get yeah. into those programs. To get into an in like a one on one voice studio yeah, yeah. was competitive, so he put me on automatically on the list to get into the studios. And I started studying with this wonderful lady. Her name was Susan Beckley. And one day, about halfway through my freshman semester, we were doing going through the lesson, and Susan said to me. You are an opera singer. <laughs> oh, okay. You're like. Right. I was like, okay, if you say so, lady. You know, at the time I was kind of like, I liked opera. Like yeah. I said, it wasn't completely unfamiliar. It right, just right. wasn't the stuff that I had really right. known and embraced in my life. And also we had an opera company 
on campus that didn't seem like something that was um, accessible to me at gotcha. the time, given yeah. that I couldn't even get into the choirs. And this is, this is also speaking from a black woman's perspective. So let's, yes. let's preface this by saying that we're specifically talking about black experiences as black people in classical music let's do and oh god i'm I'm glad you mentioned that because i i am actually not talking about that and not on purpose but i have not mentioned that in case people don't know bucknell university is a small a medium-sized liberal arts college in the middle of pennsylvania the very middle of pennsylvania um and needless to say i was one of the only black people on campus. Right. We're, about, we're about, I think, 8% of the population of 3,500 students at the time. Wow. So um, it was, you know, there were we were few and far between. And certainly in the music department, there were a total of four of us at the time. Huh. One was my good friend, uh, Melissa. Um, and the other two were men who were a couple of years behind us. Okay. Um. So anyway, we so the the opera company was definitely not a diverse space. It was pretty much a white professor and a bunch of white singers that were also students at the university. Yeah. And the aesthetic was very much an aesthetic of whiteness, even with the repertoire that they chose in retrospect. I have a similar I would just before she continue to go quick Mm -hmm. background story for me, how I ended up. I actually came in as a music um, education major, mm-hmm. and I was singing in choir. And I would say laugh about this, but I was the only person who sang ten or one, ten or two, baritone and bass in uh, the men's league club. I was at a large range, but I knew that I could set somewhere a little bit lower. So they didn't know what to do with me. So I was taking lessons as a music education major, and my teacher at the time, he's like, "You should do become a voice student." I'm like, "No, I want to teach," but. Needless to say, the education department was not very supportive wow. of me. Mm-hmm. I don't know why that is. I, I, I have a the professor who I adore. I'm not going to say the name on the air. Who I adored, who is part of the reason why I actually went to Ohio State, uh, was just a little bit more cold. He had his favorites, and that was it. Wow, okay. And I didn't carry the kind of sound that was what they were looking for in the yep. choral department. Yep. Because sometimes with us, you know, we have a darker, rounder tone mm-hmm. that does not fit, fit this bright, high aesthetic of yeah. that we consider clean. Right. And part of that comes from mm-hmm. the fact that that's not the aesthetic that we are acculturated right. to. Right. You know, a lot of people try to say it's it's anatomical. It's not. It's mostly that we grew up in a different aesthetic. Yeah. And that's just the way. Period. That, yeah. And that's we just we used we're very reflective people mm-hmm. and so we use all the colors of our voice voices yes absolutely so i ended up this is how i ended up in opera even my first opera opera columbus i was at working at the music store at barnes and noble because i said fuck it i'm working there and i was like 19 <laughs> years old and he said you should come audition for the opera you have a good voice for a young man i was like uh uh-huh. i said i've never been in one before whatever so I auditioned for the opera and I got an opera course. And at that time, that was big, big money, honey. It was $500. And this was like 98, 97, 97, 98. And you know, when you're in college at the time, $500 just to go sing. Girl, that was Monty. Monty. That was Monty. Monty, yes. And I remember I did my, my first uh, opera was Macbeth. 
Ooh, good lord! They did Macbeth at your at your college. No, not the college. Oh, at the oh, right at the opera, opera company. company. You said that. You said that. No, 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 no. <laughs> you know, I only the only lead I ever sung in college was uh, Marco and Gianna Skiki. Okay, wow. The only lead I ever sung in college. Most of my stuff I I sung outside. I, mm-hmm. I, I was like winning competitions and doing shit outside the college. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Couldn't get a role in college though. So crazy. You know, Johnny Skiki's one of my favorite operas. I've done it too many times. I. Love, I live for. I've done every male part. I've done opera. every male part, but John is geeky in the tenor part. <laughs> no girl. I believe you. I've done I believe Beto, you. I've done Marco. I've done Simone. <laughs> All of them. The great success, if I must say. I have no doubt. This is such a great show. Well, you know what? We're going to get back. We're not going to give you the whole story. We've got more story now. We're going to get back with Liz Steves. I'm going to go to the next step of her story. Okay. About how she went from school into actually becoming professional yeah that's so, a good question well, i'm gonna in that meantime we're gonna play a little uh a couple of tones here awesome uh, the first one we're gonna play uh, two of my favorite divas doing things that well one doing something we never think she could do but it's one of the best things she does <laughs> and the other one doing something she does very well so we're gonna hear jesse norman sing destroy the holler from um yes Tan Hoiser, which she pisses on it's like she went at she eight she does mm-hmm. and then we're gonna listen to uh dame gwyneth jones sing uh uh tovitore uh d'amour mm. and when i tell you this she lays it out so you listen to queer state of mind here on radio free brooklyn Thank you. 
You're listening to Queer State of Mind, New York City's home for queer people of color to gather and talk. Stay connected with all the tea and more. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash queer state of mind and follow us on Twitter at QSOMNYC. Yes, hunty. So that was Jesse Norman and singing Tan Heuser. And we also had Dean Gwyneth Jones singing um, Tove Tore. What do you think, Liz? Of course, I thought they were both amazing and each amazing in their own way. Um, uh, that uh, I love that Jesse Norman clip because it lets us know, yes. I'm that girl. Uh, yes. <laughs> and you know, so many young people sing that aria. And so it's really cool to hear a, a really seasoned, like, know what she's doing performer like- singing it. And the thing about Jesse Norman singing that R is no one else sounds like that. Nobody. That. Nobody. You can pick anybody. No one sounds yeah. like that. Because it, it literally sounds like, uh, for lack of a better term, like an elephant, tra- a mountain of mouse. <laughs> I cannot with you. <laughs> yeah. And for those of you who don't know, Dame Gwyneth Jones um, is um, the soprano. She actually uh, she sang a lot of Wagner, mm-hmm. but she also sang a lot of Verity. And she was actually very, very good at Verity. I personally thought she should have stuck in Verity a little bit more. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, because she, as you can tell, she had the capacity to do all of she that. She had that agility and that ability to take yeah. a lighter approach when necessary. Yes, and I think that that would have made her voice become a little less worldly as she got... Mm-hmm, I mean, mm-hmm. Of course, she was going to sing the Wagner stuff, but yeah. she was really good. It, it, the Verity stuff made her... Sing like a musician, dare I say. Right, she right. She was reckless. How much Strauss did she sing? She did Dyer's Wife. She's done Empress, uh, Salome, Electra. Uh, so she did a Marshallin. lot of Strauss also. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't think she ever did Ariadne. Mm-hmm. I think that was too low for her. I was going to say, she wouldn't, right? Because yeah, it did sit, low. It sit, it sit, sat low. That thing, oh. Yeah. That was one of my first roles that I sang oh. as a young artist. Wait a minute. What? So let's go from school. <laughs> Okay, so now we, we we're talking about we're in college now. So now yes. you should be an opera singer. Let's pick it up. Oh, we also have um Sir um, Barrington Lee here. Yeah, he's busy right now. He will be joining us in a moment, and we'll be interviewing him about his story in the second hour. Mm-hmm. Um, so now from college on. So okay, so you know, finished college with a music degree. In the end, I started out as an international relations major, but I did Hilarity. finish. I know, right? <laughs> I did finish with my um, BA, not BM, but BA in yes, music. Arts, yes. mm-hmm. And I and and then after school, I I still wasn't quite ready for the world of opera, and I kind of and so I went and got like other jobs. I worked for this pharmaceutical startup that was uh, developing a topical treatment for um, for sexual dysfunctions. Yes, that was fun. Why does that make sense? <laughs> Makes to, so to, much sense. To, to know this is to know that this is not surprising. This is like, oh, I belong yeah. here. <laughs> yeah. So I worked there. I actually worked as a nanny for a little while. I Well, I was a governess. They didn't call me a nanny. I was a governess. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> a little Fräulein Maria action going yes. on. I worked for... Um, so. I, I did a number of different jobs, and then I was talking to my friend, uh, one of my undergrad friends, who had hired me to do some singing in New Jersey, because at the time I was living in Jersey. Yeah. 
And he's like, what are you doing? You know, and I was like, well, I don't know how to find a new teacher here. I really want to keep going. I don't know what to do. And so he he was connecting me to he connected me to someone at Westminster Choir College who didn't want to take me on as a student and sent me over to this new teacher there at the time who was named Sharon Sweet. Oh, yes. So, right. (laughs) It all makes sense now. So Sharon was, uh, for those who don't know, Sharon Sweet was was absolutely everything. And she was an extremely famous dramatic soprano. A real dramatic dramatic soprano. Dramatic, dramatic soprano. Soprano. Like the size, the weight, the color, the the sheer impact of her sound. The top of her voice. The top. uh, um, Incredible. So... I ended up studying with Sharon right around that time. It's like, oh, two-ish, right? Yeah. I started studying with Sharon and then eventually matriculated into Westminster as a graduate student. Um, and so that from there is when I got onto the path of like really pursuing this, this as, a, as a career. Gotcha. It was actually when I met Sharon and she assured me that actually I did have the voice for this, you know. There were some there were some things I didn't talk about in terms of what eventually happened in the opera company. A lot of discrimination and Girl, stuff like that. Girl, that's a whole different undergrad, right? Right, and that's a I, big thing with, with us. It, it is. It really is, and it, it just so much a lot of trauma that I can say out loud that I faced in that situation. Um, but Sharon assured me that the talent was there, and that she would be able to help me to. Um, learn how to use it better and uh you know susan had done a great job at bucknell i had a much better handle than i started with and i did eventually sing in those choirs (laughs) that part and the opera company um but then sharon really did take my voice and and show me how to really really manage my instrument and so i went to westminster for graduate school and then I just, you know, did what the did what you do, which is to put myself out, out there. there and do auditions and things like that. Eventually, um What was your first professional role? My first uh professional role um funny enough, my first professional role was actually me me in Boheme. In La Boheme. <laughs> Which I sang with a small company uh, in Philadelphia. Wow! And I, but that was my first professional role. Yep, me, me. <laughs> I can see it. I loved that role. It was. It's something I wish was a part of my normal rep, and I wish that that becomes a whole different. It, exactly. Y'all, this is a layer topic. What she means by wish to be part of her rep, so she can sing it. Now, then it goes into why wouldn't they hire you to sing? Precisely. It becomes a whole, it becomes about size. It becomes about color. It becomes about a whole different yeah. genre. So that's pretty much all the shit she's talking. That's code for. That's code for they think I'm too fat, too dark, too round, whatever. Yes. You know, well, and, and the voice, like it's not necessarily a Mimi voice. No, but, but I, I mean, can't. I sang the mess out of that thing. I mean, Tabaldi. <laughs> 
Tabaldi was singing Mimi. Exactly. And Tabaldi did not have a Mimi exactly. voice. Exactly. Exactly. And Tabaldi had a Forza voice, but she was singing Mimi. That's right. That's right. And it's that's beautiful it. music, and I feel like it's music that everyone should sing. It's and I think beautiful, that beautiful music. I think that there's a what was it, Birgit? It's like, why, no, why did she sing other parts in the Birgit Nielsen famous opera? She's like, well, because the voice, you need to use all the voice sometimes, you know? Mm-hmm. So for a soprano that sings a lot of fucking big verity, he's like, sometimes you just need to just chill with a Mimi. Exactly. Just to kind of realize, just, mm-hmm. to soften, like, it's like greasing your scalp. Yes, yes, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Like, you got to come in yeah. after you do all the other things that you do. You got to come in and it's just put so a little It's so funny you should on. say that because I'm going to play a couple more tracks here. And you just led this perfectly into my next thing. And this is going to be two live performances. Perfect. I'm gonna make sure I do them back to back. Uh, because I want people to hear something. So I'm going to be playing for you two different um, things. So the first one I'm going to play is Diana Suvero singing Juliet. The Poison oh, Aria. Oh, wonderful. Mm. And then I'm going to play a live clip from Newark, which I found, of Lantine Price and Thais. Ooh. In Morocco, wow. 1970. Yes. So you find all the stuff. So I say all this to say, like, we'll get back to this. This French repertoire in music is popular and the most dangerous because it's it makes you think you can sing it, but you can't. <laughs> True. It does. True. It takes you to where everybody can tell you that. Because the orchestra is so fucking big. So Dinah Sofia was singing a lot of like Puccini mm-hmm. and all that stuff. That's so right. Big That's voice, Verismo right. singer. But oh, why she singing Juliet? That's light. I'm like, no. It actually fit perfectly in line. Exactly. Exactly. We're singing Butterflies. No, mm-hmm. It fits perfectly in line. Now you got to have that big sound. Right. And then Leontine Price, she sang Thais, which works perfect because she has a higher, bigger voice. So. Right. Right. And the way it's shaped, when you hear it, you're like, oh, this yes. is what this should sound like. You know, before you go on, I, yeah. I'll say this. These both of these clips are sung by women who are living and working as singers in a time right. when you're kind of allowed to practice that range, that flexibility and the yeah. range of what you do, right? Which we've gotten away from way too much these days, right? So here you go. You're listening to Queer State of Mind live on Radio Free Brooklyn. Oh, who 
Yes, y'all. That was Madame Leontine of The Price giving you Thais. Um, yeah, so that was uh, two. The first one you heard, you heard Diana Silveiro sing um, the Poison Aria from um, Romeo and Juliet. And then you heard uh, Leontine Price sing the um, aria from Thais. What do you think of that this? Po- that Poison aria was exciting. Both exactly. of them were exciting. But that Poison aria was like a revelation around her voice and the capacities that of it. I've never heard it before. It, exactly. Mm-hmm. It honestly should sound like that. Yes. It should sound like that. When you go to Juliet, yes, your vivre happens. It's it's supposed to, because the thing about French opera uh, and French is they always do the development of the character. Mm-hmm. So, like, for example, Marguerite and Faust. Marguerite and Faust, weirdly enough, will be Liz Stevens' voice. <laughs> right. Weirdly enough. Mm-hmm. If we're doing the whole opera with our cousin had to sing, the only thing she has to get through <laughs> is the jewel song. Which, yeah. But I love that stuff. I love that. singing color to her. When she gets done singing the jewel song, it's off. It's she has a fucking the spinning wheel aria. She okay. has a, that church scene ain't no joke. Mm, that duet ain't no joke. <laughs> it literally turns to a, a fucking Wagnerian soprano uh, 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 situation. Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah. oh, Barry's coming in right here. Oh. Yes. yes. I just want to add in something. Um, so sometimes the spinning wheel aria gets the girls. Oh yes. <laughs> so sometimes they cut it. Yes. Mm, that's a true story. Oh yeah, they that's cut a it true statement. Well, because you, what, honey, you, 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 will, you, will see, you will see a lot of girls lay down the jewel song. Like, oh yes, you should sing the part. You're like, no, you should not. Right. <laughs> Same thing with Thais. Thais is pretty much a, a, a Wagnerian opera masquerading as a pretty uh, opera. Yes. Because it's the, true. The part, the male part. She could sing Thais, like literally. She has an extension. You have a high D, and you have a voice like Liz Stevens or somebody leaning to have. That's the part. And you have to have a dramatic baritone. Not a wishy-washy baritone, or actual dramatic baritone. Yep. Or as you will lay the fuck down. <laughs> you know, because it's, you know. But people, I, find, people find out, look, when the orchestra swells. Oh, baby. I, and the singer, this is the thing. When the orchestra swells and the chorus is singing, and I'm not talking about that opera specifically, I'm talking about opera yes. in general. That's when you find out, is this opera written for this kind of voice yep. or that kind of voice? And yep. then the other place you find out is when the voice is sitting in a middle low place. Yep. What is the orchestra doing? Right. Are they playing with all the instruments or yeah. just a few? I am kids. <laughs> so that was just... All tea and all shade. Right. <laughs> right. And that's the thing about stuff like that. So, And I remember when I saw Manon at the Met by Massenet. I said, like, wow, Sopranos, I was afraid of Manon. I'll listen to it. So I was waiting for the Gavotte to show up. I didn't know the Gavotte from Manon shows up like in the third act after you've been hollering. After your coochie done, done dropped. You done did the church thing, baby. <laughs> <coughs> you're giving the girls full spinto soprano. You're full. just you're just done, on. and you're just living your fucking life. It's crazy. And then they kind of pop, 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 pop. You're like, um, uh, right? Um, <laughs> no one feels like doing that color tour, like 
bullshit right now. Precisely. You know what? Another role that comes to mind that follows that uh, follows not that pattern, but a similar thing is Violetta. Yep. Violetta is one soprano at the beginning. And she is a whole other soprano at the end. And you have to be able to access both of those girls. And they cast it typically on the lighter end because people cast it to that first aria. But there is so much heavy singing to do by the time you're finished. Oh, yeah. And the faint faint cannot get through it. That's the thing. So, y'all, we have reached. uh, We're going to go into our second hour. We'll be right back. And Liz can tell us a little bit about her project she's having right now. Yes. And then we're going to talk to Mr. Barrington Lee. And we're going to be, you know, just kicking, y'all. So you're listening to Question of My Live on Radio Free Brooklyn. Fucked up, honey. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. I was like, she don't came up. Look at her. Getting look at God. Getting merch. <laughs> I don't know if that's God, but yeah, look at something, honey. Mm-hmm. He's not going to let me do anything. Let's get that right. <laughs> Bitch, I see what you did there. You see what I did there? And I appreciate it. amazing this remix will literally give you life okay yeah we're listening to Chris of the mind gonna let these queens calm down because they Ooh, do need to calm down they're doing the most all right what, what is happening mm-hmm. what is happening on the record right now you say your girlfriend i'm like no nah, this is my good judy this what the fuck you mean right. and ladies with an attitude fellas that are not in the mood continue <laughs> 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 Time for the messy hour right here on Queer State of Mind on radio. Yes, honey. We are back now, honey, to the messy hour. Funny enough, why do I have an interview with Barrison Lee in the messy hour? (laughs) (laughs) Because you know who belongs where. I know who belongs where. But before we get into anything, we're going to have two hit two little things. First and foremost, Liz, can you tell people what you're doing right now about Studio List? Yes. Um, So, yeah, I'll talk about Studio List a little bit. I started this uh, company uh, in actually 2015, and it's, it is my voice studio where people can come and take voice lessons, but I also uh, place a strong emphasis on developing the total artist. We, you know, we're talking about all of those yeah. experiences of discrimination. She has to have a license and, in the world, too. Don't worry. She's, she's literally <laughs> developing people. You know, like we talk about those experiences of discrimination and inequity in the arts and different things like that. And and I feel like everybody's not getting the same education. Yeah. And so what we're doing at Studio List is basically filling in the blanks for people. You might be a super advanced singer and understand nothing about marketing and business. Right. You know, you might be a less you might be really good at that side of it. 
but not really have all of the skills that are required to do what you really want to do, which is to sing. So we do both. And we recently became um, a sponsored project under Fractured Atlas. And so Fractured Atlas is what they call a fiscal sponsor for arts organizations. So while Studio List until now has been functioning as a for-profit, which hasn't been a really... Um, practical way to run the business. Now we are shifting into becoming a nonprofit. Okay. And so with that, we're able to accept charitable contributions through our Fractured Atlas site so that we can increase our work and be able to reach more students and deliver our programs to people who can't necessarily afford it or for whatever reason don't have access to it. And so we're pretty much... um, we're, we're getting ready for our sing intensive in the fall or in the in November. I guess it is still the fall, but our holiday session. And in the meantime, we're basically kicking off a big fundraiser with a gala concert. And you can start donating to Studio List Voice now, which is very exciting. I'm so excited. A gala concert. Yes. Which I will most concert. likely be working. Yes, you will. That's what, that's what I. <laughs> yes. <laughs> for those of y'all who don't know, honey, I am I am the bitch boy for all my. That's my sister, honey. When Thank she calls, when she calls, I go. Yes. And Barry, who we're going to interview here, um, Barry. Uh, di- the last thing I did, I was a production assistant, and Barry was the director. It was wonderful. They did such a good job, and her students were wonderful. Everyone sang. It was just it, the energy was great. It was an inspirational, mm-hmm. and it was something I've never mm-hmm. done before. I said, like, "Girl, I don't know if I can do this," but I said, Come I asked on, you know liked what you're it. Doing. <laughs> <laughs> I asked it like the background work. Yeah, I mean, I'm an opera singer. You know, we like to be on stage. Mm-hmm. I like. I, mm-hmm. I said, "Oh, I'm gonna dip my toe in the direction." I liked it a lot. So, y'all, please support her. Support all the and they're doing. She has some really fantastic students. People, thank you. Who, She's doing God's work. They're doing things. And, you know, they really are. They really are starting to get recognition. I had a couple of them reach the semifinals of a competition recently. And I have a couple of them who are um, actually out here now singing professionally. Um, Our tenor, Diego Valdez, and a soprano, Kiana Williams. Yes. Both singing with the Teatro Grattacello here in New York, which is one of the bigger... um, one of the bigger, smaller opera companies yep. in the city. You know, like there's the Met, and then there are like this. There's next a few tier. companies, yeah. There's tiers. Right. You got that here. It's that city opera. You got Decapo. Uh, I've sung a lot with. Um, oh, what's that singing, singing with? Well, Decapo is you know was Decapo two, which is oh Decapo two, yes. which, which is New York City opera. That's really shady. Everybody. You know, oh. what? that is shady. Ooh, See, trust me, it's gonna be messy with her girl. Goes going to be talking. That's the messy gonna, hour. We gonna, I'm staying we, for the messy hour because I do want we to see We gonna get into the, the black faggotiness <laughs> of okay. the ah, opera thing. Come but, on. Um, but I would like. I also would like to add um, to Studio List Voice. So I um, directed. So I over the years I have always coached my friends on mm-hmm. you know dramatically on yep. their arias and their repertoire everything some vocal things yep. also and um so you know um over the course of um this quarantine thing is what list started during the pandemic right. yeah um which which was the first of its kind in all of absolutely that's right the, right um the musical things during the pandemic where people were like shut in their homes she was giving voice lessons. Yep. She also actually gave an opportunity for these people to come and sing in a space, oh, social yes. distance, and virtually, it was a virtual concert. It was an actual, 
staging of something. If if it was not if it yeah, was and, not a uh, quarantine, you could have sat down and watched it right, right there. Right. And so um, she asked me to come in and give dramatic coachings to the to the the students of the program, and it was amazing. Um, and then she was like, "You need to come on here and and you're going to direct my That's opera right. scenes." <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. Um, and it was a lot of work. It was very um, interesting doing that virtually on Zoom, yeah. directing mm-hmm. someone, yeah, staging. It's very, very different. And um, so oh. I say that to say, you know, like she said, the, the fundraiser is kicking off and mm-hmm. the gala will be on October 16th. Correct. So save the date and yes. we will give more information um, yes. all about all the details and you can go to studiolistvoice.com and there is a donate button and there you can find out all the different things that we're doing but studiolistvoice.com yep. is the center and you can follow Studiolist Voice on Instagram absolutely and if you um, are so enthralled to have you know, a thousand dollars or so That's then right. you can donate and then you'll get to be one of the special patron um, the for the VIP pre- concert hour cocktail mm-hmm. hour where i'll be making some cocktails from um miss miss silky nutmeg ganache's cocktails for a queen her yes. book oh you actually, know what i'm gonna throw this in here i might go ahead and come up with some hors d'oeuvres to say. <laughs> <laughs> no for real yeah, oh, yeah you're Honey, already I, hired i, I got already a, hired. I, I got a meal i'll make some some little finger foods so i can make Listen, some bacon wrap shrimp after this curry beef that you made for me today <laughs> the fish that you made for us a couple weeks ago at barry's you can make anything you want to make. <laughs> and right. I know everybody will be treated well, and happy. Y'all, so we're going to um, refresh that uh, a little bit later. But before we do that, we're going to go back to our throwback track mm-hmm. in a segment I like to call Your Faves Could Never. <laughs> 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 and you're going to see. So uh, there's the track here I want to play by one of the most famous sopranos out there. And when I tell you. Now, back in the day, girl, it was like, you know, just like they had the S&M relationship with the girl, Streisand versus Mittler. Uh, it was Sutherland versus Sales, honey, S&S. <laughs> now, Barry's a sales girl. <laughs> I surely am. So I'm, yeah. a, I'm a Sutherland girl. I was about to say, you already know I'm a Sutherland girl. Although I do love, uh, but, uh, I love sales, but, here's the but thing. I'm a Sutherland They both girl. have been raggedy, and when they carry, they carry. <laughs> yeah. Okay, right. When Beverly Sales carries and that Cleopatra, that you be like, oh, well, well. Right. Well, I, listen, um, I love she Beverly She carries in her queens, and even yeah. though she knew she's like, this is my yeah. way out, and this yeah. is my on oh, my way out, I will give you all the voices but what that right. I can muster. Jones she Sutherland. sang with all her yeah. might. Right. Jones Sutherland will do, will do some shit. And you'd be like, okay, you're just fucking with people now. That's right. And Listen. This is, and this is one of those moments. Even Beverly says be like, okay, she's doing too much. <laughs> and this is one of those moments. So this is Offenbach's Robinson Crusoe. And Oh, I love the, the rarity. Oh, yeah. The middle of the fucking hour is where it takes place. So you're listening to Queries of the Mind Live here on Radio Free Brooklyn.
Yes, y'all. I told you, Ma. She chose violence. <laughs> violence. She was not playing. She chose violence. The thing that, okay, before we get to Miss Barry here, the thing that's great about Miss Sutherland is Joan Sutherland's like the B flat soprano of color tourists. She don't really have nothing about her E flat. <laughs> she don't. She does not. She does but, not. But However, she what would. she has before she gets to where she got to go, you can't fuck with. You see, mother did all of that. Like, oh, yeah, she can go higher. She's like, oh, I can't, baby. No, I can't. That was just, that was it. I just. I feel like it was more like it ain't necessary. Like, she yes. can go up there, but A, like, that's. Where you can do all the that. repertoire for her size voice. Like, you yeah. can't, like, there's not a lot of rep that requires you to go beyond. Yeah. I mean, I think flat. that, like, she, I mean, she pissed. Okay. Yes, she pissed. Did. Sorry, excuse my language, but she Speaking pissed Mike Moore, yeah. on um, Esclamond. Oh, oh um, girl, girl. Mm, yes. She walked past that and she peed on it and peed on it again and came back <laughs> and added a little extra squirt on it. Okay, and she was old. Yes. Mother, hold on. mother was old and mother said, I can still sing this. And the kids were terrified to even look at the score. <laughs> It's true. I mean, like, the kids were for terrified. For those of you who don't know, Esclamond is an opera that is written for a freak of nature. You have to have the size of voice of, like, if you sing Isolde or Abigail in fucking Anabuka. Or Turandot, which Turandot. Sutherland did sing yeah, turn, yeah. early in her career. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you have to do it. You have to have an extension up to a high G above high C. But yes. mostly a high E, play around high Ds. You literally have to have that type of sound. It's actually the same voice, funny enough. Yes, a little history for you. It's the same woman that Manon Thais was written for. Interesting. Correct. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. So it's that type of voice. All over the place, big. It's a dramatic voice that can do other things running around. Right. Uh-huh. That's so. what they used to call a dramatic coloratura. Y- yes. <laughs> oh. Yeah. oh, yes. So, what, that's yeah. a rarity, unfortunately. These that's days. what they used to call it. Because right. you must actually have that sound. But be able to get up there. So Sutherland had Sutherland had the same size voice as Bjorka Nielsen and them. Exactly. She wasn't mm-hmm. she wasn't afraid of all the girls. She said, oh yeah, girl. I just, and interesting. She started out singing Wagner and stuff she like sure that. Did. And then, right. It's just her husband. Well, speaking of uh, shady facts, why got to be shady? Mr. Barrington Lee, please introduce you yourself to the audience again. He's been in the show before, but this is we're since Barry Robertson has been in the show. But I want you guys to meet Barrington Lee, who is his professional opera singer. So. Introduce yourself and tell the people how you got started singing. Like a same thing with Liz. Start from the beginning. Sure. Okay. So I'm Barrington Lee. I'm a bass baritone. Um, I. Oh, oh yeah. Oh. Yes. So yes. Um, wait a minute. I've been a bass baritone for. I mean, like, come no, 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 no. So I was, You was like, in my house, and then you left the house to become a dramatic baritone girl. You yes. left me all by myself, and now you come <laughs> back in the bass baritone house. So yeah, I came, so I came back to the bass baritone house in 2017. Back, girl. I told you to um, come back. And so yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, that would have. It's fixed, the best place to be, girl. That would have fixed a lot of things. Bisexual girl, you can get a lot of jobs. <laughs> all of them, and so, um, so yeah, so I um, did my undergrad. At a multitude of places, <laughs> but because uh, I transferred, I am originally from South Carolina. My mom didn't want me to go far away for college because I'm the baby, unfortunately. And um, so I went to a mama. small Christian college in South Carolina for a year, and that Ooh. was when I first came out. So I was extra gay, like 
glitter eyeshadow. I had hair then. Yes. It was curly. You said I had hair. Oh my oh, god! I, I wore the tight pants and the the boots with heels on them, and the, I've seen the, the pictures. It's everything. I've the never seen that. Next to the gods. Oh, you um, was a fag. Yeah, a good old fashioned fag. Oh, yep. I yeah, know her. Yeah, 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 yeah. You gotta see. And um, and that was you know at a Christian college where I would get phone calls at night from the wrestlers and the soccer players, Ooh. seeing they could come to my room. Absolutely not. I was not that girl then. So no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. What? <laughs> I was not that girl then. So I mean, you got those phone calls and you left those girls on red. Oh, absolutely. Yes, it was. He was at a I was. I was. College. I was. I was a, a young, impressionable thing who was very shady already then. A girl. So, hold up. Like so brought that in there, like oh, I was shady. So hold bitch. up. So this is funny. So I um had a scholarship to be on the gospel choir then, um right. So. I would, and I don't know if you know your listeners, you know, I'm sure you guys have been to a gospel concert before. And you know how the choirs, you know, at a gospel concert, they will like get the spirit and they will keep singing the song over and the song just keeps on repeat. And so I would sit down. In the middle of uh, Oh, absolutely. Oh, if the song, if the song had been over and we were still going, I would sit down because I was just like, oh, we're not doing this today. Uh uh-uh, uh, I'm sitting there. So you always, you always been that girl. Oh, abs- oh, absolutely. Gotcha. Yeah, and I, they would even like. I remember one time someone tried to call me out in the rehearsal after one of the concerts, and I said, "Well, the song was over, and you guys were carrying on. I don't have time. Mm-mm. I had already. I did what I was supposed to do. I said, <laughs> when, we sang, I don't have time. When, when we sing the next song, I stood up and sang with you. But I'm not gonna be up. I don't need to <sighs> fake shout. But anyway, move forward. So, so I went to school. It is a messy and, hour. You know, started. You know, as a uh, a young baritone singing. People didn't know what kind of voice I had. I didn't know what kind of voice I had. Um, I went to a few schools, and like Liz had said earlier, like you know, there was some traumatic things hap- that happened to me as a young black boy yeah. in mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. classical music and studying classical music. Where Can you share just something, a little something, just for people. Sure. Um, I mean, this is what the show's for. Yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. So I remember you know, a couple things. So I remember. Um, when I, I went to my senior year in high school, I went to a magnet school for the arts called the fine arts center in Greenville and, um, had this great teacher whom I looked up to. Um, I wasn't the prize student in the class, which was fine, but I was a hard worker. And I remember I went off to Anderson college for my first year in college. And then I decided to audition for North Carolina school of the arts and which is in Winston-Salem. I think it's now university of North Carolina school of the arts. And um, I asked my voice, my voice teacher from high school, would he be comfortable writing a recommendation letter for me? Yeah. And white man, and he was like, oh, absolutely. So he wrote the recommendation letter. And just by chance, I um, had work study in the um, admissions office. And so I you know, was putting my people's files away yeah. and filing things. So my file was there. So then I went and looked at my recommendation letters. And his recommendation letter was recommending them not to accept me because he didn't feel that I was talented. And also that if they did, not to have his name associated with me because he had had other students to go on to go to that school of prominence. Oh, my God. And um, and so, yeah, I had that. And even while there oh, at that girl. school. Yeah, 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 I mean, and even while there at that school. I, I mean, and I was, I have to say that I was, you know, I was like 19 years old. I was devastated like 
devastated. Of course, um, someone to look exactly. up to. You right, just, right. And then um, I even you trusted. And I even had you know I had a voice teacher there. Like Liz was talking about her voice teacher when she was at Westminster. Yeah, like I had a voice teacher there who, um, white woman, whom was very nasty. Um, she, you know made me cry in all my lessons and studio class in front of everyone, how I didn't have a voice. I was never going to be anything like all these things. And I remember, um, and so like, you know, of course I came overcame all of that. And when I got accepted to Manhattan school of music, because I was there for two years and I say, you know, this place is not for me. Yeah. Um, this is, um, it's not healthy right. as a, as a being a black person here. Right. Um, uh, it's funny enough, which I will, talk about later on i went to school with a very um couple famous dancers um one a choreographer um camille brown who was in the dance department um jules lane who was in the dance department and they they um experienced the same things in the dance department there and they are like famous famous like camille brown is like choreographing things on broadway at the met um, and it just was that culture of things back then where we as black and brown people, um, didn't have a voice. And if we did, we weren't heard at all. I mean, it's, so, it's so crazy because that was my same experience too. Because part of the reason why I lo- lo- know a lot of the stuff I do is because I had to be above everybody else around mm-hmm. me. As we always do. Absolutely. Like I literally had to be above everybody, everyone else. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like, it was so weird to me that I was at my university, not I was getting leads and doing shit other places. Like I was going to Chicago, uh, going to Chautauqua, doing all these other po- these great big programs and all this stuff, and I couldn't even get a fucking solo in the choir. Mm-hmm. Right. Literally, could not get a solo in the choir. I had one solo in the choir. Well, two solos. The first one was like we did a spiritual called Dim Bones and it had a little thing in there but picked because it was black. So let's just mm-hmm. be real about that. Mm-hmm. The second solo is only because I recommended it because I wanted to sing the solo for uh, Jesus Lay Your Head in the Window by Moses Hogan. And I recommended it. Luckily enough, um, the professor at the time, Hillary Alperstein, God bless her. She was wonderful. She actually musically fed my soul because mm-hmm. when I got in the choir, the highest choir in Ohio State, so I had, let me how crazy is it? So I had been singing this in final choir, which is a step lower than chorale at Ohio State. And I had done like uh, one program. I had just got that back to Chautauqua and I came back to get my choir assignment. I had to do a choir. And they put me back. I was like, I'm not a symphonic choir person anymore. I walked out and said, I'm in chorale. They were like, well, we don't know you can sight read, blah, 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 do that. I said, like, I literally just got back from a program with Julie at Manhattan School of Music people twice. Like I'm singing with the best of the young people. Mm-hmm. People who, you know, like Nicole Cabell, uh-huh. Alison Cameron, mm-hmm. yeah. like Roger Honeywell. This was literally my class. I'm just like, um, I can't get inquire. Mm-hmm. And when I they were, they were like, right. oh, are you okay? Can you hear? Can you do? I'm just like, I'm a good musician just because you don't think I am. This is the racism. This is that, right. this is that, that. white supremacy. This is that. This, this right. whole, like, this, this system that is built on white supremacy, especially within the classical music realm wow. because we aren't white so then therefore we're always going to be lesser than and there are times when yes we haven't had the education right and some most of these white kids who have had who haven't even had the education also mm-hmm. still get the, right. the shine and so exactly. um just to finish like i so um i was at manhattan north Carolina school of the arts i decided to audition for manhattan school of music without my teacher because she was really a total bitch right. and i 
and got accepted. And when I got accepted, she refused to teach me anymore the rest of the school year. Um, and yeah, it was, and then they had to like, the dean had to get involved, all this stuff, Holy because shit. she was like, because she kept telling me, once she found out that I was auditioning for the school, she said, well, you know, how dare you think that you could even get into a school in New York City? You're, you're no one. You're nothing at all. No one will want to teach you. What do these and people I, think you know, they are? And I, you know, and I got into Manhattan School of Music, and she, when I, she was like, well, could you please, um, as soon as you know, could you um, please let me know so that way I can let because people I have people knocking down my door to get into my studio and I was like sure and so the funny thing is that day I remember going to my voice lesson and um, I was a little bit early so I went and dropped my I was standing outside of the herb studio and I said the mail has come let me run to the post office real quick and get my check my mail so I uh, put my bag down in front of her studio and I ran over to the mail to the mailroom and I got my mail and then I opened my letter as I was walking out of the mailroom and it was my acceptance letter to Manhattan School Oof. of Music. So I... Um, I hope you get hard to end the so, lesson, girl. So then like, I yes. so I went into, you know, I went in my, got back to my lesson um, and I was standing outside and I went in and she was sitting at the piano and I remember I had this on cassette tape because, you know, back then we always recorded all Oh, girl. Cassette tape, VHS. I would tell you about yes. that. I got okay. somebody sent a cassette tape to me about my, one of my lessons. I didn't even know. Existed. Oh wow! And so, um, and so I, you know, I walk into the lesson. I hit play on this, you know, on the recorder, and um, and I was, I was like, yeah. She was like, well, um, have you found out anything? Because I need to know, um, what my studio is going to look like next year, and blah blah blah. And I said, well, I actually, did I? I just received my letter today from Manhattan School of Music, and she was like. Oh yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, um, I told you. Like, no one wants to take you. You're not. You can't sing anything. You're not. I'm. Sh- yeah. And I said, actually, and I handed her my letter and let her read it herself. So her and face she, and she break. And then she said, oh, "Well, if that's what you want to do." And then the next. And then the next day, um, I she I got called and said that I she would no longer be teaching me. She said that. Are you ready for this? She said that I. Um, was very disrespectful towards her that I made her cry in our lessons. <laughs> she um She's the teacher. Wow. She, she changed she changed all of my grades. I had only had A's for every voice lesson because I was always prepared. Right. Like I had you know, one you, of the you, things oh, you, you, had to, you. you had to like yeah, have yeah. your IPA in your in your yep. music. You had to I, I practiced, yep. I kept the journal, I did all those things. And she okay, and she went and she changed, and this is how she in because I remember getting called to the dean's office, and um, and he was like, well, you know, Marianne doesn't want to teach you anymore because you're very disrespectful, blah blah blah. And I said, well, that's really weird because I've never been disrespectful. I have all my tapes. She's made me cry multiple times in studio class and in my lessons. Thank you, tapes. And then right. he said, um, well. Well, you had you've only made C's and D's in your lesson. I said, "Well, that's impossible because if I made C's and D's, wouldn't I have had a progress report in the middle of the year to be on some kind of academic probation since that I have part. a scholarship?" Well, well, yes. And I said, "Well, could I see her grades?" And he had he showed me the thing, and it was like you know in a grade book yeah. from back in the day. Everyone knows what a grade book is. So the like that's the right. last line, yeah. you know, she had all the grades in, but she had taken her eraser and erased straight up and down in one line. And wrote my new grades out in the margin of the page, and you could still see the faintness of an A's, but she had written C's, written C's and D's um, in the margin. And I said, "Well, you can clearly see that she changed those grades right there." So um, I'm going to co- contact my mom. We're going to contact a lawyer, and we can figure this out from there. And he goes, "I'm sorry, what a lawyer?" I said, "Yes." I said, "I'm not here to play these games. 
I paid for my, I'm paying for my education. I now I'm going somewhere else. It's not, she can't decide to retaliate against me in this way. And especially when she is the person who has been doing all these things and I have it documented, I have recordings of them. Like, what would you like to do? And she is still teaching there today. So, so I left that school, got to Manhattan school of music full circle. So that voice teacher in South Carolina, whom um, had, um, who wrote that terrible um, review or um, recommendation letter for me, I had to go back home after I had been in Manhattan for um, a little over a semester to sing on a concert. And I go back and um, no one has heard me sing. And I'm singing on a friend's, uh, old friend's recital. And I'm just singing one song. And we go to rehearse in the, the space. And the teachers in the, you know, Mr. Rice starts to play the piano. And I open my mouth and start singing. And he stops playing the piano. And it's just like dumbfounded. And he goes, I, he just stopped and I turned and I said, is something wrong? Oh, 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 no, 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 no. Oh, no, no, no. Can we start that again? And I, and I sing the whole song and he said nothing else to me the entire rehearsal. And then the next day for the performance, we were standing backstage and he had all of a sudden he had been kind of very distant. Yeah. And then he walked up to me. He said, I, I have to apologize to you. I did not know how tremendously talented you really were until yesterday. And I am so embarrassed and I truly apologize. And I knew exactly what he was apologizing for. He never said it, yeah, but I knew exactly what he was apologizing for. And after that moment, he talked to me, wrote to me, sent me music to learn, talked to me about different components. Like, he tried to change his whole mindset around me mm. and did all of these things. Um, he actually played my my master's degree audition on VHS tape. Because um, back then, 2005, yeah. these schools were one of the VHS. Well, you know what? That's how <laughs> you make that's how you make penance. That's how you make penance mm-hmm. for a wrongdoing. Yeah, absolutely. You really throw yourself in that. Well, we're going to take a little music break. Thank you, Barry. You said you brought, you brought something good. We're going to take a little music break. We're going to do more of a, okay, we're going to switch gears a little bit. Go to our musical theater sisters right quick. Yes, Uh-oh. Okay. Come on, so theater. I want to play three things. Um, something you guys have never heard before. So I want to play And You Would Lie, I Will Give, which is from uh, Marie Christine, a piece written um, by for Audrey McDonald. And you actually get to hear Audrey McDonald belt. Okay. It actually is a great belt. It's a very no bionic, a big belt. Now, Mother does, you know, she switched when she gets too high somewhere. But, you know, because Mother's not a belter. But what she does, do she does. And then you have, of course, have a headless singing memory, which is one of my favorite mm. things ever. Okay. And then the oldest profession from the life by Lilius White. So we just got to give the musical theater girls who, musical theater girls who actually study classical music. Funny enough. Mm-hmm. Right. That's right. All three of these ladies were actually opera singers in their early life. And they became musical theater grand divas. They took another path. Right. So just to show, and it was still a hard path. I'm sure they had that shit happen to them. But some people, when you're in classical, and Audra, Audra was at Juilliard. She got on mm-hmm. that, that bitch. Uh, um, Heather was at uh, Northwestern. She got, the stress, this stress, yes. yeah, the opera I mean, even, would stress you out. Like even um, um, Audra McDonald, before you go, Audra McDonald talks about how yeah. she would go into auditions and people would like not even pay her any attention. Right. She like started starving herself to be thin, 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 thin. Ridiculous. Right. And she would like 
faint sometimes coming out of rooms right. because she hadn't eaten for days and like she talks about that all the time right just, just to fit into the opera mode of back in the day so you're listening to question of my life here on radio free brooklyn Please welcome the current star of the West End musical, The Bodyguard. Here is the brilliant Heather Headley. Midnight, not a sound from the pavement Has the moon lost her memory She is In the lamp lie the withered 
26. Watch your mouth now. You say you've been in the life for 10 years. How many days you figure you've been on? I don't know, but uh, Lacey, get your calculator, baby. Let's figure it out. Alright. Say five johns a night, six nights a week. Of course, that was back in my prime. That's 30 johns a week, 50 weeks a year. Cause I always visit mama at Christmas time. So that's 30 times 50 multiplied by 10. Holy shit, let me do that again. After 10 years in the train, I've really made a grade. It says here I've been laid by over 15,000 I'm tired of chewing those deadbeats and hikers and haggling over the price. I'm tired of spending the weekends at Rikers. You That was Miss Lilia Swice giving us the life, yes. honey. Okay. She is, I was just telling Liz, uh, she's what we said, not familiar with her voice. She is the lead singer in the Hercules. Bless my soul. Hercules on the road. No, the zero to hero. She is the soprano. Child, I there. don't know that show. Baby, she is. Lilia Swice is one of the best sopranos on Broadway there ever was. Mm-hmm. It sounds, mm-hmm. no, she's fantastic. I'm very she excited to go was and on, get down she that She was miscast, hole. unfortunately, as Effie and Dream Girl. <laughs> 
Poor Effie. Well, because she's a bigger black woman, but she has a higher voice, so she's natural Laurel, but Laurel's to be 18 and skinny. Right. So they're like, oh, well, you're bigger, so we're going to give you. So it's like. It's cast, like the story. Casting a dram- dramatic. Yeah, casting a dramatic soprano in a. Uh, I'm sorry, casting a lyric soprano in the dramatic soprano part. Right. You know? Right. Because what a lot of people don't understand is uh, Effie in Dreamgirls is very high. It actually does not go below a C. Okay. The whole part does It just sounds low because Jennifer Holiday's loud. Right. Loud. <laughs> 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 she is. It is. Very much so. So. Anyway, we have about 12 minutes left, and Miss Barry's oh going to take us here. I know. So, Barry uh, does musical theater, funny enough. She has her card. I hate the fact she's got this guy, equity card. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> well, I'm so mad at that. But Barry does musical theater, and he's going to actually update us on what's going on in musical theater and what's going on with new things that are happening in the world of music and opera. So, um, I actually um, finished school, Manhattan School of Music, Rice University for my master's, um, spent some time... Attempting to sing baritone repertoire at places, and you know, to some success, to some success, and, you know, and then switched to bass baritone, and then it was quite successful. Um, yes. And then in 2018, I was cast in the all black um, cast of Oklahoma at the Denver Center for the Performing Arts in Denver, Colorado, and um, I was the Judd Fry. And with that, I won production. I got my equity card. Yep. Um, and in 2019, I sang my first um, Camelot. I sang King Arthur, which is so bizarre exciting. because I'm the first black King Arthur prof- on a professional stage. Isn't that bizarre? Wait, that is. Wait, girl. Wait, wait, wait. wait. It's breaking this way. History in the room with us. History. It's your history. Like, I, I could not believe that a Norm this, Lewis this, this, or any of, like, would have never sung Right, because King okay, Arthur for those of you who don't know, there are two people, uh, Norm Lewis and Brian Stokes Mitchell. Norm Lewis is more musical theater. Brian Stokes Mitchell is actually an opera singer who actually ended up making his living in musical theater. Mm-hmm. You, yep. know, you can tell the difference. It's mm-hmm. a little bit more core, a little more mm-hmm. operatic. Mm-hmm. And so that's when, when Barry said, I can't believe they never did it before I did because those two black people did Man right. La Mancha. I mean, even though I think... No, the first Man La Mancha. Brian Stokes Mitchell also owes me fifteen ninety nine for that terrible musical theater Ooh. CD that he came out with <laughs> back then. <laughs> What's your cash <laughs> at? Um, he owes me, yes. <laughs> Okay, he owes me $15.99 for that terrible... You know that girl, CD I'm talking about. look at me. When she had look all those Calypso let, beats let, let, me, let, let, me, let me say this. Brian Stokes Mitchell is one of the most beautiful voices, mm. male voices, mm-hmm. core. I, like, he is a baritone. He has the color. He, the repertoire he sings, he makes you want to sing it. Right, 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 right. Absolutely. However, that CD was trash. And let me just go into something really quickly. And let's talk about why it was trash. Right. Because that man has a gorgeous voice, gorgeous. but had to have a gimmick to sell those songs. Yeah. That's the piece. As opposed That's to the singing them straight like they're from the shows with his gorgeous singing and all that stuff. Because there still is not a, like a black man who has sung all of that baritone rep- musical theater stuff, right. that's legit stuff, right. on a CD... Still to this day, that sings, um, sings that, the way it needs to be sung. sung yeah. Everyone has to have a gimmick. Even listen to like you know Leslie Odom Jr. Like even though he does his thing, yeah, he's a yeah. tenor, he does his thing. He sings more like R and B poppy kind of stuff. It's cool, but like 
I remember coming up and listening to it and we all wanted to find, like when you're a baritone, you're trying to find these musical theater right. songs. You're like, let me listen to someone that's close to my voice. But then I bought the CD want, and it was like ridiculous. You want to hear someone sing. <laughs> I'm dead. The most difficult baritone aria of all time. And I don't care who the fuck you are. You can be the greatest baritone in the operating world. Try to sing this soliloquy for fucking carousel. Yes, absolutely. And you will lay the fuck down. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, because even like, like when they did camera. see his face when he said that, the car- level of seriousness. Yeah. No, girl. It, it's, I'm, it's, I'm it you, has I'm laid down the best. I mean, even because the boy who sang it on Broadway, no shade to him, he's like, you know, they um they did um, Carousel um a couple years ago. I'll, and it was a I very big, that. big, big deal, you know. And, and a black, you know, uh, they had a black guy who they were pushing to be the right, big black news. Right. And he was, in my opinion, like, would you like to know why that failed? Why? Number one, he could not sing it. Number two, he played that role like a slave. Number three, <laughs> no, look, number three, <laughs> Billy is a man who beats his wife and he works as security guard. They cast his wife as a white woman. So it was a they black man did. beating a white woman mm-hmm. and he was a security That's guard. That's not going to succeed. Nope. I was watching. Like, I'm just like, I was just period. like. It's not going to succeed. See how they do us? I was just like, so. It's just a setup. You give him a lead. Like, oh, we give you the lead in carousel, but it's a security guard that beat his wife. Right. Okay. And then they give <laughs> and you something. And the wife is a white lady. And the wife's a white lady. And, that, and the thing is, is that that role was written for someone who was really classically trained. Like a, a true life, real opera singer. Baritone. Thomas and, Allen lays that down. And like, it's kind of, and it's really ridiculous that, because he definitely, it was like something that probably a poppy yeah, musical theater all kind of way um but yeah so then i so i said to say yes so i ventured into musical theater i had you know it's really great i enjoy singing traditional musical theater yes. pieces and stuff but i'm and i loved singing king arthur and playing that role it was really amazing You're the first um one. and it's like crying like the the um, impact of what the statement is for that and wanting That's a, a good world part to, to sing be too. to mm. be like a just and loving and like free and like i mean it's just kind of yes really a different space yes. and so then so i said this like so now you know we're in this fast forward to 2021 yes. um we had a you know we just had you know the pandemic and during that a lot of social unrest um black lives matter like all those things that were going on and that were really pushed into the forefront um and so what thank God. the classical music has decided to do the the realm is like all of a sudden it's like oh well yes we know we have to atone for our you know racism and you're not putting black people on stage and Ooh, these things like on, that so, so then they decided to now we're going to do all these black shows and and of course we're going to hire black singers because they're going to be in the black shows because they're black and, shows <laughs> and and i you know great but you know i also i went to school and a lot of us went to school to sing standard repertoire and i we, always say that i'd be like Cast the white parking bands. Bitch, I don't need that. I don't I, care. I don't need that opera. We don't need it. Performed. Please Give me stop never doing again. it. Black, the black if black. anybody is an opera person out here, cut the shit out with Porgy and Bess. That's, what I'll, that's Absolutely. all I have to say. I understand cut that it out. Pay Get people don't do it anymore. Do, We're over still, it. Do, do whatever you need to do. Give us Ariadne. Yep. Give us Tosca. Right. Give us that. We don't and care. And to black before. singers. To black stop singers. Stop accepting the fucking contract. I'm Absolutely. sorry. Right. Stop right. it. Ooh, whatever that was. I, yeah, that was crazy. Underline. But, okay. But I, I, and I will say this. And so um, um, I will say this. So we, um, um yesterday, um, Liz Stevens and I actually had the fortune of going to see at the Metropolitan yes. Opera um terrence blanchard's fire shut up in my bones um which is a new opera that was premiered some years ago in um st louis 
and it's um I think it's Charles Blow's it's um the it's adapted from the memoirs of Charles Blow's book Fire Shut Up in My Bones. And I really to be honest with you, I had not seen it before. I had no expectation other than like I know that last year the people who were some of the people who were in it were in Porgy and Bess. And yes, it won a Grammy, but I mean the choir was amazing, but the singing was terrible. Oh. And I whatever people can come for me, they always do. Um Barrington Lee. <laughs> Mr. Barry, I mean, oh, um, Mr. Barry, Girl, that's, that, that's that rose talking. And I'm coming out. I <laughs> so, hated that production. And so it was, you know, end. and um, the singing was just kind of piss poor. Um, and I would say, and it was just in general, like it was very different. Like seeing that opera last year or two years ago at the Met, when before the pandemic, um, and was like a, a wake up call that something has happened, and it's been something wrong has happened in classical music training, especially for Black people. Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna fight back a little bit on that because I think a big problem for me with that production, which for the record, I did hate. I was proud of my colleagues for going up and doing whatever they did, but I hated the production, but I thought a lot of people were miscast. And I think what you're about to talk about with the production we saw yesterday is a testament to that because several of the people were the same people on stage in Poor Game Best, but they were cast better and they sang better. That's what I thought. I thought the I thought the production at the Met of Porgy and Bess was abominable. Oh, I and it's coming it. back in and the next few weeks. And it's coming back. It's a shame. Um, which I will fast forward through a couple. Not of things. even gonna go. I'm through so that. glad we only have like four minutes of uh, yes, the show yes, because hold hold I don't sauce these girls up. So I will say this. I will say this. So please, it opens on Monday. Yes, it is go. amazing. I'm going to see it. Um, the story is amazing. That touches. Every single yeah. person, gay, straight, bi, white, LG, white black, black, every orange. single person, it touches you so much. And for us black people, it is blackity black, black as fuck. It is. And it, it is, is so, so fucking good. It is, there's <laughs> a the whole fucking step show, like a Kappa step show in the middle of the opera that had me, st- I wanted to stand up doing the whole thing. I waited to stand up at the end. It was so good. You have to go and see the singing is phenomenal. The coll- my colleagues and friends are in that girl. show are so good. It is it's so so good. So good. Um, I would say please go and see it. Support those singers. It's so yep. good. And I would say this. And so you know, last year at the Met, they had Porgy and Bess. There was a whole shenanigans around that. How they paid those people terribly. Although people were posting that they were making their Met debuts in the extra extra auxiliary chorus, ah, but um, but but then this year they decided to they had that you know there was a fight within Agma that said you know now you can't just cast black people as an extra chorus only for that one show Porgy and Bess. So then they're in Fire Shop in My Bones. Some of them are in, are in Porgy and Bess. It's coming up next, even though they put them back to back and also in Boris Goodenough. So they tried to get over on that. But I would say, please go out. There are a lot of great operas being written by black composers and black storytellers out here. Liz Stevens herself is, you know, a, a, a budding um, librettist her, in her own right, <laughs> trying to work on her own it's opera true, at the moment. And speaking of that, real quickly, before you sit, tell people, because we have one minute left, tell people about um, List Stevens Studio one more time. Oh, oh, studiolistvoice.com. That's studio, L-I-S, voice.com is where you can go to donate for um, all Studio List projects. And we are really excited. The gala's on October 16th. Put it on your calendar. And, oh, the other thing I do want to tell you, since you mentioned that I'm a budding librettist, I am a published author. Oh, yes. If you are a singer, 
There's a book called yes. Perfect Practice, a journal for singers that will support your practice life. And you can get that on Amazon under my full name, Elizabeth Stevens. That's with an S. All right. So everyone here, thank you, Elizabeth Stevens. And Bear Roberts, Bear, you brought it to me. Barrington Lee. Yes, Barrington You brought it. You you made it messy, our messy. That's good. (laughs) I'm glad that you each had your own hour. Yes. You brought it. That went real quickly. We could keep talking. I'm glad we're not talking no more because now they're going into their bag territory. Then why? Okay. <laughs> so thank you for listening to Question of Mind. Bye. Bye, everyone. Do go see that opera, yes, Farsha. Please, yes, please do. Yes, please do. Yeah, go.